Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. In this podcast, one of the things I enjoy most is talking with people who are pushing the boundaries of what is possible. People at the leading edge of the uh, energy transition, the, the innovators, the people really making new things happen, um, turning imagination ideas into reality. And today I'm fortunate enough to be speaking with Sandra Tritton, who is founder of a company based in Switzerland called Tico, uh, exploring Sandra's journey since uh, founding Tico in 2012 to today when uh, she is. Uh, moving on from Tico. Tico is now part of Ongi, a big energy company. And very excited to be uh, hearing, talking with Sandra about her takeaways, her observations on the journey she's been on and her view for the future. So, Sandra, I gave you quite a build up. <laughs> Hello. <Nice> to, <laughs> Hello to the and uh, great to talk to you today. Um, Sandra, I remember the first time I came across Tico and I don't know whether it was in 2012 or soon after. And it was, uh, I wrote a blog because I was so excited by what I saw. I thought, wow, this is the sort of thing I've been talking about. This is what I've been telling people. I think this is the way forward. This is part of the future. And I hadn't found a company doing it. And there was you and Tico. Um, So for the benefit of our listeners that don't know, uh, might not know who Tico is or uh, what you've done at Tico. Can you give a short introduction to what your idea when you started Tico? Maybe let's start there. Mm-hmm. So when we started Tico, the idea was to build up a company who was creating virtual power plants, um, focusing on residential assets, because back in that time, it was already well known that virtual power plants could work with uh, industrial loads. And now the idea was uh, to shift that more into a mass market application. Um, the background of the three founders at that time, of uh, Fred, Stefan, and myself, is also back, uh, telecommunication and IT. And so we saw there is a need to transfer that knowledge into the energy industry, building up virtual power plants um, by using devices which are in residential homes. And at that point in time, it was mainly heat pumps. It was uh, electrical direct heaters, it was water boilers, it was night storage heaters. And then over the years, this has grown, right? Because the the devices which are in the homes of, of people have also been growing in a way of solar, um, of home storage, of wall boxes. Um, but it could have been also jacuzzis and up to sauna heaters uh, that we have been connecting over the time. And I don't know if it's right to say, Sandra, you were the first company to do this, but probably right to say you were one of the first, maybe along with companies like Voltalis in France. Uh, there there were yes. some people with ideas, but there were few people putting it into practice. Yes, I think the, the main differentiator of Tico at that point in time was the application of the virtual power plant. Mm. So it was already, let's say, to a certain extent, um, well known that you could connect residential assets to control grid load, for example. Uh, in some countries, this is easily do, uh, done also by the network companies by using ripple control. 
Yep. So they stop your washing machine or your heating system over lunchtime or in the early evenings uh, when they uh, expect load uh, peak loads. Um, but to have a virtual power plant providing um, services like um, fast frequency regulation, um, this was pretty new. So, yeah. and for this reason, um, I think this is the the area where where Tico was really really pioneering um, to have a virtual power plant with residential assets being able to react within one second to any kind of need of the grid. And then later on, also providing different other services. But uh, this was the main challenge. Now, we'll come back to many of the things you've talked about, Sandra. But you've been looking back over your time at Tico. And I know I've got five observations on your journey from idea through to scale up, becoming part of ONGI and what Tico is today. Uh, so what have your what are your five observations looking back? Yeah, so the the key observations that uh, that you could uh, probably have read uh, on LinkedIn. So one is that first of all, you need to have an idea, right? You need to have an idea. You need to think about the innovation, and then you really need to have the hard belief that this is going to work, because it, there will be many tough times, many ups and downs. So this belief is really key. Yeah. Um, then, as a second part. Once you have that belief, and now uh, for the for the application of virtual power plants, there was the big question of the technical feasibility, mm -hmm. right? Because people in the industry were known to control uh, big uh, cement mills or to stop paper mills or something um, to reduce load, but then to control thousands of residential assets within one second for fast frequency regulation was like, whoa, is this at all possible, right? Uh, would that yeah. work in terms of communication, of traffic, of data, etc.? Then the third part was mainly about once you know it works technically, you have to bring it out into the market. So you need to build up a brand, um, you need to be known um, with your partners, but also with your clients. So you need to spread the word, you need to create a brand, um, and then with the um, uh, respective marketing around um, to be well known um, as an as yep. a solution provider. Then the fourth one is the is the scale up, right? Once it works in a small context, like it did with Tico in the context of Switzerland, there was pretty quick the question about scaling it up, bringing it to other countries, and this always has an impact on your investors' uh, setup. So uh, we were changing our investors uh, to from Swisscom and the Swiss utility Repower to Angie, for example. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, and I think this is the most important, it's all about the team and the people. You spend so much time together. You spend days, nights, weekends. You sweat <laughs> for any kind of problems, right, to solve yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you have to decide if you have to close the company or would like to keep it open. You want to celebrate. Um, so this is really important that you have the right people and team around you. Otherwise, it will not work. And from that idea from the three of you back in 2011, 2012, can you give our listeners an idea for the scale that you reached now, whether that's in people or assets you're controlling or number of countries you're working in? Um, so, as you mentioned already at the beginning, we started out of Switzerland, um, where our main focus was for the beginning. And then pretty quick, we realized that there is much more need around uh, in Europe. 
So we have been expanding to Austria, to Germany, uh, to Belgium, to France, um, also going a bit further to Australia, um, also Italy. So it's it's continuously growing. We are now a team of around 65 people. Um, I think at the moment we have more than 30,000 assets connected that yeah. we are controlling, but uh, distributed over different countries um, and for different kind of services. So it could be that in one country we do fast frequency regulation, in another country it's energy services like balancing group optimization. So this always differs uh, from partners and countries where we are in. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Sandra. So just looking at your five points there so the uh, the idea and the belief the technical feasibility the brand the scale up the team uh, often i think people i speak to on this podcast will talk about team as a critical thing and i think you said it's the most important thing <laughs> um, um, the idea of course i think quite common probably in companies uh, like like tico to have that idea but I like what you said about the the unwavering belief through good times, hard times, difficult times. You maintain that belief. Uh, technical feasibility, for sure, we can maybe unpick that. But uh, brand becoming famous, the one I think is one of the hardest to do in the energy transition is that scale up, that, that business model. Um, I don't see any shortage of people with good ideas. Um, I think there's a lot of clever people with the right the right technical skills, maybe not always in the right company, mm-hmm. but um, the the team for sure, but the scale up and maybe the bit about building a brand. Um, let's start with scale up. So I remember when I first got to know you, Antico in Switzerland, you did a lot of the value chain yourself. So you found customers, um, you put in hardware in their homes, you optimized their and aggregated their devices, and you sold that flexibility to to Swiss Grid, I think. So you did everything. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how did you, from that beginning, did you have a vision to scaling up or did you have lots of different routes or did you go down dead ends? I'm really curious yeah. to hear, hear how much of a definitive plan it was and how, how messy and unstructured and opportunistic it was. Yeah. So, um, so probably to tell you at the beginning, it was, um, we first had to build up that virtual power plant in Switzerland for that technical feasibility. Hmm. So this was the reason why we did the value chain from one side to the other one um, fully ourselves um, because we had to prove it and we wanted to prove it quickly. And probably you also know that working always with utilities together can take just a bit of time. Mm. So it was good um, to have the first step being done by ourselves. Um, now what we have seen with the scale up is that then we thought, okay, let's partner, right? And just pick parts out of the value chain where we would partner with manufacturers, with utilities, with third parties, um, where we would say, okay, we are providing our solution as a white label solution to these clients um, or partners who then can offer a solution to their clients. Um, As we did, for example, with uh, Sonnen in Germany or with utilities in Switzerland, also with uh, EVN in Austria, which works 
um, pretty well, but it also takes time, right? Mm. So it takes time to set up. Um, you normally do pilots, uh, and I will come back to that point in a second. Um, so, yeah, it's a matter of timing. And as a startup, you never have time, right? You, no. you need to scale, you need to grow. And yeah. what we figured out in the meantime is that there is no one solution, and especially for the part of virtual power plants, if you want to be present across different countries um, and across different kind of services, it's necessary to be really flexible with your business model and to mm. say, okay, in one country, we might do the value chain from A to Z, and another country, we, do, we are just providing an algorithm. Uh, in a third partnership, we might provide an algorithm and help with the customer acquisition. So. It really depends, but it has to be flexible. This can be different if you have virtual power plant applications, for example, within one country for one customer segment, and you're focusing on that one, right? Then you just stick to that one business model. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just Was to finish hard? quick. Sorry, yeah? go on. No, you finish, and then I'll ask yeah. my question. Um, no, just quickly because of that pilot, right? Um, mm. I mean, once you start on that topic of virtual power plants uh, like us, it's always like, oh, but can we do a pilot, right? And you have all your partners and every partner says like, oh, but with me, the home storage in Germany works different than home storage in Switzerland and probably home storage in Belgium and home storage in Italy, um, which is technically actually not the case. Um, so we had to also take some hard decisions to turn down opportunities but not to die because of proof of concept, right? It's the death by proof of concept where you can, which can really kill a company um, if you don't have the outlook that you can say, okay, I have a hard timeline. I, I do a pilot, I do it for half a year, but if it's successful, then we grow the business together. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so this is really, that, can be tough. It must have been very hard choices then about pilots because uh, you get a new, you get a big energy company in a new market that wants to pilot. Um, were you just really disciplined about that time scale? You know, you, you just mentioned that sort of half year. Yep, we'll try it. But if it's going nowhere after X months, we're going to stop. Yeah. Or is it more judgment? Or do you look back and think, oh, we did too many pilots or we could have done more? Um, so I think, I mean, once you look back, right, um, you're always more intelligent than at that point in time. I think yeah. we did too many pilots for some time. Um, but it's also difficult because once you have a partner on board and he tells you like, oh, I want to do a pilot and you say yes, but only under the condition that afterwards we continue to grow to thousands of assets. Yeah. This can be also really difficult for the partner then to fulfill. So. It's more a case-by-case -case judgment also. Yep. Um, talking to some big utilities um, who are well-known and probably Germany-wide uh, in the business is different than talking to a local utility in Switzerland in a small area where you just have, uh, let's say, 50,000 inhabitants at all. So there you need to balance a bit. But you also need to take care of the resources that you have in your company, right? Mm. Do you want to block the, the resources for the small project for the small utility with 50,000 uh, end clients? Or do you want to grow it more and block them more for the big opportunity, possible opportunity with a big German utility? Just to show you some uh, 
yeah, with the balancing, must, which is not as easy. That must have been constant throughout the, the 10 yes. years, that balancing, I guess. Yes. And at the beginning, right, you, you're just happy uh, that you get on board new clients and new projects. Yeah. So we were really opportunistic. But it's also more to, uh, at that point in time, to prove that the technology really works. Yeah. Um, because once you do the first virtual power plant, it's like, ah, yeah, but one thing can always work, right? And it's just like, well, um, just prove first that it can be also applied to different environments, to different markets, to different assets. But once you have done that, right, then there is no reason why a wall box, for example, in Belgium should react differently to wall box in yeah. Austria. Yeah. Do you think you had to do the whole value chain at the beginning? I know you say you had to prove it technically, but I can imagine that that gave you fantastic experience to then work with partners because you'd done every single job that the partner might be doing. Yes. So so that for sure, because we have been going through every single step, as you were mentioning, we were doing the marketing ourselves, doing the customer acquisition, the customer support, organizing the installations, doing the training for the installers to put at that point in time some hardware in because the heat pumps mm. were not intelligent enough, right? Mm. Um, then later on running the virtual power, power plant ourselves. Um, luckily, we had some help for the trading because we did not have our own trading desk. But we also had to um, to mon uh, monitor the um, the capacity which were available and the delivery of the virtual power plant to do the reporting, etc. And mm. uh, I think our clients still value today this experience and also the experience that we had um, nowadays with many different other clients in different kind of countries and different kind of settings. Um, because they can also see um, how different solutions, business models, etc., could look like. And I think yeah. this is really something unique that Tico is providing. At least I have not seen another virtual power plant provider offering this kind of knowledge as well mm. um, as we are doing. How, how have you seen your place in the value chain change? So going from that beginning to doing everything. Um, now the world the understanding of residential vpp's experience has in, developed in a big way since 2012 so if tico was approaching a new client um now what's the obvious place in the value chain or do you still see a lot of um different people doing different things in different ways in different parts of the value chain or do you see that VPP value chain now becoming more defined and different people focusing on different parts of that value chain? Um, difficult question because it depends, <laughs> which is not yeah. the best answer. Um, but um, but I think where where Tiku really has a core is especially in the in the algorithms, in the logic on how to steer the devices without disturbing the comfort of the end client, um, how to control the assets, um, how to control them fast enough, how to provide the capacity doing the forecast, et cetera. Mm. This is a bit the, um, the operations also of the virtual power plant, plus the algorithms and the logic on how to set it up. I think this is one key asset. Now, to give you two examples, once 
for example, if we are talking to manufacturers or device suppliers, um, like some of the new companies offering full energy solution equipment uh, packages to their clients, like the solar, mm. heat pump, etc., they are doing already the customer acquisition. So there is no need for Tico to step into that piece. But they are looking um, for someone to help them building up a virtual power plant and running it. Whereas in other countries where you don't have these um, players probably at hand, it might be more interesting than, in, for example, nowadays in France, um, to approach clients with direct heating systems to do that once ourselves uh, in yeah. the market. So we do it B2C directly, but we also go through our investor Angie um, and provide the solution there as a, as a white label for them. Um, so this is why there is still no exact answer, but I think um, the market is in general getting more fragmented and there are more cli uh, companies focusing on different pieces of the value chain. What's the, where would you say the gap is if, if residential VPPs are really to scale to millions, tens of millions of devices across Europe? What's the, I was going to say what's the hardest part, but I think every part of the value chain is hard. Um, <laughs> what bit would worry you the most about, hmm, will there be enough capability to do this part of the value chain? I think it's the creativity to build up the right business model. Okay. Um, but I have also to say there have been no better times than now for Virgin yeah. Power Plant. It's almost like being back in 2011 when you look back at the energy prices, right, they are now as high as possible. And the higher the energy price, the higher the need for virtual power plants, which yep. is uh, perfect for us, right? So there is no better time um, to build up a, a business model, but a business model which works for everyone, right? Who works mm. for the um, partner, which can be utility or manufacturer, which works for the end client, um, who owns the device, and which also works for Tico. There are many ways. It's just not the obvious way um, on uh, on like like you would sell a device or as you would sell a new energy yeah. contract. You need yeah. to be, be a bit more creative. And it's possible, but you need to step out of your comfort zone and think a bit out of the box. And this is a bit where I'm mostly worried because this, if the creativity is not there, this kills your business idea immediately because then you will not get the budget to build up the virtual power plant. And for your experience, Sandra, that vision to step out of the box, to step outside the box, to step outside your comfort zone, is there enough of that? Is there enough confidence at senior management level, at board level to invest the budgets in it? I'm just trying to unpick it a little bit more. Yeah. Where, where do you think the most, if you could unblock one bit, would it be the board approval for budgets? Would it be to get different skill sets working together? Would it be, what, what would you think it would take to really help to, to get that, create mm -hmm. that business model right? Mm, I think on one part, it's the, it's the budget and it's the belief and a bit of risk taking. Mm. Because virtual power plants in residential space are still new. So you yeah. need to be a bit, more open and you need to be a bit more risk-taking um, and this is also why you see it more uh, growing with uh, with new players in the energy market 
yeah. this topic of virtual power plants than with the um, incumbents, for example. They they also have some, but not in that big scale or in that thinking and vision of growing into millions of assets. So I think it's a, the risk-taking, and if you are more willing to take the risk, then you also prove the budget. Then the budget yeah. is just following the risk-taking approach. Yeah. And I guess coming back to what you were saying about pilots, there's a role for pilots in this, yeah. <laughs> but it depends how yes. you approach your pilot. Exactly. And and I think pilots are also important. So mm. I think they have their their meaning in that full setup of a new partnership, because this also helps the two companies to get to know each other and how you work together and also how the people work together. But you can have a pilot for a specific timing and then you also need to be willing to say and if the pilot is successful what will happen afterwards and you need to stick to it and not just oh we do a pilot and it runs for five years and then we have a look and we see and then we have half a year of decision taking making time and uh, this drives a small scale up crazy and kills I can it imagine <laughs> I can imagine so the, pilot, <laughs> the pilot should be there to test the business model that has been developed and then yes. a clear next step after it but yeah. I guess you've seen all sorts of pilots haven't I imagine in your time from yes oh we just want to play with it and understand it through to we've really got a business model we want to test <laughs> Yeah. We, we we have both but uh, today our most successful partnerships are the ones where we said okay let's not test only for the technical feasibility, but mainly for the business model and yep. how the client um, is perceiving the value. And then afterwards, really uh, agreeing already on the next step, what happens after the pilot. Yeah. Um, I want to touch very briefly on uh, brand, which was your fourth point um, of your five observations before yeah. we get out the talking new energy crystal ball. So. Building the brand, how with, did you have a very clear strategy to do that? Is that how much was that you as a person, yeah. as an individual? Quite a lot, I imagine, in the early days. And how how critical was that to the pilots, the partnerships that enabled you to scale? Yeah. So probably as a short anecdote, uh, Tico has been starting the business under the name of Be Smart which was mainly due to the fact that we were building up the first virtual power plant with former colleagues of Swisscom. Mm -hmm. And so we could approach these clients still through the intranet of Swisscom. But then all of a sudden they were asking us, oh, but could we also bring our neighbors on board? And could they also join the this first pilot, right? And all yep. of a sudden it was like, oh, we need a website, we need a URL, we need a brand, <laughs> we need to set something up. So uh, I was sitting together with one of my colleagues at that uh, time and uh, we were just thinking, okay, we need a URL uh, being set up by tomorrow. And we came up with the naming of Be Smart. First, we wanted to stick with that. Um, but the problem is that you cannot have the uh, the branding and the, um, uh, yeah, you cannot use it really as an official branding for long term yeah. because it's a it's an ex general expression being smart. too generic. Yeah. yeah. Yes, too generic. And so we had to think about a brand, um, working together with a really great branding agency, which was putting also a lot of effort into that brand. And the main point for us was that we wanted to stick out also a bit out of the crowd of 
general energy brands mm. and also having um having our vision and our belief reflected in the name and so if you look at tico the t and the i stands for time and the k and the o were originally a c and an o for communication and community but we could not keep it with a c because the name was already taken so right. It's time and community. And the idea was to shift energy in time with a community to provide energy and grid services. And I think this was really helpful also for growing the company that in that name, our belief and our vision is still reflected. Okay, and by yeah. having the brand looking also a bit different than the normal white, green, white, blue, gray, hmm. green, being a bit more pink and purple and just sticking a bit out um this is quite quite useful over the last years and so i think that, it will be also for the future yeah that really tied together that i guess that knits in with your first point around belief the idea the belief yes. that was embedded in who you were the feel of your communication the look of your communication um yes and it took us months to develop that brand. So yeah. we really took the we really took the time um, to do that. Um, there were many discussions going on, um, especially the more people you have at the table, the more opinions you have. Yeah. Um, but I think in the end, um, it was really key to have something different, but also incorporating this core belief mm. of the of the company. Well, we won't have time to explore how much yeah. <laughs> you had to get out and about, but I did like the bit on your LinkedIn uh, post, Chandra, about the number of Kindles you've left on buses or trains yeah. or planes. <laughs> so a lot of travel and a lot of work. To, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I have been enjoying the traveling a lot, right? And I think we we can be proud to say that everyone from China to Australia, Tan, um, Tasmania even, uh, up to Hawaii on the other side of the globe knows today about Tico, South Africa, um, Russia, Finland, you name it. Uh, mm. Normally, most of the people should have an idea, even Mexico, what Tico is about. Um, the traveling has been great. Meeting all these people, also understanding the different markets, the different market setups, market designs, opportunities on how to use Tico. Mm. Um was just an amazing uh, possibility and opportunity for me to grow the company, but also to grow personally. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, must look back and think what an amazing 10 years. Yes, no, it was great. Yeah. Um, looking forward now, let's uh, turn to the talk in your energy crystal ball. And if I set the dial to 2030, um, I'll leave it to you, Sandra, whether you make this specific to Tico or the VPP sector residential VPP sector in general. Um, but how? what's your hope for what the sector will look like by 2030, described in any way or whatever metrics you want? Yeah. So actually, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, probably I would have given you the same answer already for 2022. Okay. Um, but now my hopes are even higher um, that virtual power plants in the resi residential space are getting much more common and that for all the new devices which are built into residential homes it will become just common to be part of 
any kind of virtual power plant, um, either from the utility or from the network or from a third-party provider. Because first of all, it's a huge capacity which we are building mm -hmm. up there. Now, especially since the changing in the energy sector since the beginning of the year, it's even fostering us more to go on electricity. The number of heat pumps is rising uh, tremendously over the last month, and it will. Um, yep. The same also with solar. So I think we cannot even afford to not connect them. And yeah. we see that also in general with partners um, and other players in the market that they are also real, realizing that opportunity much more now. And by having the possibility now also to connect all these devices just cloud to cloud, so you just need software and not always hardware, mm. only in some some cases, it makes the, the cases much more easy to apply. Yeah. And it's really, uh, yeah, you really have to do it, right? There's no way around, no way around it. So I would be hoping in 2030, that at least with every second device, which is a new build in a, in a residential home, it belongs to a virtual power plant. One well, or the other way. I I share your, I tend to be a glass half full person. So I share <laughs> your your view, Sandra. I think it's it's a fantastic way to solve the energy system challenges we have, but also for, uh, us as energy users, as energy consumers, energy producers, us as individuals to be uh, empowered to have a role and to share some of the value of that flexibility that we can provide. Um, yeah. Fully agree with I you. I think the, the business model remains a big, big challenge, but yes. uh, I know it's something that's still a very dynamic area, something we look a lot at Delta and there's uh, still lots of people with great energy and ideas. So, uh, And there are ways through it, right? So it's not impossible. Are. It's possible. It's cert certainly not. And it's exciting as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sandra, thanks so much for sharing your time and thoughts now. I know we'll be talking again at the Delta EE Summit in Edinburgh on the 12th of October. So, um if any listeners are joining the summit, they'll get a chance to hear more there or talk to you in person there. Um, Very much looking forward to it. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Sandra. And thanks, as always, to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and maybe are energized to bring your creativity to residential virtual power plants. Who knows? Look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.